Kathy Clark has been coming to SOCAP for more than a decade. And as she explained, there were no investors in the early days. It was just entrepreneurs. Since then, the event certainly expanded. It's evolved and morphed in line with the sector. And now, 10 years on, you have people like me attending for the first time, wide-eyed and excited about having so many like-minded people coming together to share ideas and pitch their wares. Kathy is faculty director at the Centre for the Advancement of Social Entrepreneurship, known as CASE, at Duke University. I was able to get some time with her on a sunny afternoon in San Fran. We found a spot by the water and sat against a dusty wall to talk about her journey from business to education and how her own career evolved in line with the growth of impact investing and the very modern shift by big corporations to consider all of their stakeholders, not just their shareholders in their decision making. I hope you're enjoying these bite-sized conversations from the conference. Please do let me know your thoughts in the comments or over email. Just pop onto the website at johntreadgold.com for all the details. And please do subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss any of my other guests. All right, let's dive in to my chat with Kathy Clark. Here we go. Kathy Clark, thank you so much for giving me some time today. We're at SOCAP in San Fran. It's a frantic day, but uh, good to steal some time with you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. You know, I am keeping these short and sharp today to get a feel for what you do, um, what your organization does a little bit differently, what's your special source. So can you give us a quick rundown of where you work at the moment and what you guys are trying to achieve? Sure. So I am faculty director for a center uh, that focuses on social entrepreneurship and impact investing at Duke University in North Carolina. We're called CASE, the Center for the Advancement of Social Entrepreneurship. And we work to take organizations who have a good idea and see if we can get that idea to scale to an impact that matters. And we do that through impact investing, training and education, social entrepreneurship, training and education and research. Good to hear that there's a whole faculty dedicated to that and I think that's that's growing in Australia but certainly I don't think it quite has that weight. Has that been an evolution or has that always kind of been a core that that's something we need to build up? So I personally have been doing this for over 20 years and I was almost alone at the beginning so there's been quite an evolution. Um, I started teaching social entrepreneurship at Columbia Business School in New York in 2001 and there was no such thing as impact investing then and I, I actually had been an impact investor and was trying to bring it into my classes and nobody knew what I was talking about. Fast forward you know 25 years and you know now there are programs at all the major business schools concerned with social impact, sustainability, impact investing and so on. We're you're not the first ones to create a social enterprise program, but the founder of CASE, our center at Duke, actually created the program at Harvard, also created the program at Stanford, and then came to Duke. And we created our impact investing initiative, which I run, called CASE I3, in 2011, which at that point we were the first and only education program at an MBA level looking at the field of impact investing uh, and how to build it. Very good. And, and you've got a background yourself in investing and starting businesses. Did that come before or after your move to education or was it sort of in parallel? It came before. My background is uh, that I had been a philanthropist, a professional philanthropist as part of a team uh, for, a, for a, fund, a foundation in New York. And then I ran, started and ran uh, a pair of funds, which at the time back in 2000 seemed very odd. But now, of course, there's all these, uh, there's a whole bunch of people who decide I want my dollars to have impact 
impact and I don't actually care which way they go out. And so very much like OMDR Network or the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, we had a foundation and an LLC next to each other um, so that we could use whatever form of capital we needed for the, the purpose that we were trying to uh, invest in. So your trust in the organization and their mission is kind of highlighted rather than having to monitor each of the investments? Is that kind of it's not that? about uh, lack of trust or monitoring. It was yeah. more that we could make a grant to an organization if we thought that that's the kind of capital it needed. Um, and we could do that through a foundation or we could make an equity or a debt investment out of an LLC. There are things that you can do as a foundation where you have a lot of flexibility and there's also things that you can't do as well. And so we set up a second fund to have full investment capacity and that has been mirrored now in a lot of new a lot of the newer wealth that is coming for example people who have signed the giving pledge which is a billionaire pledge um, to give away a certain amount of your wealth by certain times a lot of those newer philanthropists are doing the same thing of creating different vehicles and what you hear about a lot and I was just at a dinner by a wealth management agency a few weeks ago is a lot of the philanthropists who have been giving for a very long time are kind of saying is my money having all the impact it can if I'm only using one mechanism? Or could I actually be looking at both sides of my portfolio? Can I look at my investment portfolio and my grant making portfolio and align them around the things that I care about? Yeah, and I think that business model innovation is really important. That has a huge impact itself, just to think broader. And this question is something that I'm always very interested in, and there is no easy answer. So I think it, it can be quite difficult to answer. But do you have sort of a high-level view, uh, sort of advice, I guess, when, when social entrepreneurs come to you and say, well, they might go for equity and you may suggest a loan would be better? Like, do you, those two options, mm-hmm. do you have a, I guess, yeah, a high-level view or answer to when one is better applied than the other? Not that I can summarize in 20 seconds, uh, <laughs> but what we did do, so to give you a little background on, on, on how deeply we've actually looked at that question, we ran an accelerator for five years in partnership with the U.S. government, helping ventures that were based in Africa and India, working on global health for low and middle income populations. And we worked with them for three years to help them raise capital. And so I have direct experience in trying to do this for a bunch of different organizations. The good news from that was that we helped them raise over $60 million uh, in the time that they were in our care. The bad news was it was really hard for them, not just to decide which capital, but kind of to find the right supplier of that capital. And we realized that there were a set of issues that they actually needed to go through to be better and more efficient at reaching out and getting the right capital in because the consequence is you sign a deal with someone and you have the cash, but you don't have all the conditions that you want. And it, and it really can harm your organization to take you know debt that you can't pay back very well or to take equity from someone who doesn't share your vision of success but has control over your company, right? So there's there's a whole bunch of things. So we've actually created an online set of tools for social entrepreneurs all around the world to make these decisions better. It's called Case Smart Impact Capital. It's at casesmartimpact.com. It's being used in over 100 countries now by impact entrepreneurs who are trying to get those decisions right. And we actually have decision tools where they can answer a few questions and it spits out here are the kinds of capital that you might want to consider and why. Good stuff. Love it. The thinking's been done. You know, we are at SOCAP. Broadly, it's all about impact investing, but there's, you know, a broader ecosystem of issues going on here, a confluence of sort of issues. And corporate sustainability, I think, is at, at the other end of the spectrum to, you know, um, private company investing and that direct impact. So there's been a lot of talk about the business roundtable statement signed by a whole bunch of CEOs committing to having a focus on stakeholders rather than just shareholders. And so I'd love to get your view on that. 
Sure. I was actually delighted to see the statement by the Business Roundtable where they basically said the purpose of business should not be to maximize shareholder return, but to be responsible to the needs of a whole bunch of different stakeholders. And part of the reason I was so delighted to see it is that is the core concept behind the idea of B corporations, which I and some friends helped create about a decade ago and you know really believing that the way that capitalism had been interpreted or has been interpreted for for many several decades didn't start out this way by the way it's changed you know was leading us to outcomes that most people actually don't want from business and so being able to kind of have the experience of creating kind of a highlight or a spotlight on companies who are doing this differently. And then, you know, we've had over a decade of experience with those companies now. It's not new. And so to have the business roundtable, which is CEOs of very large U.S. companies, you know, Boeing, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, Apple, Coca-Cola, and so on, say, you know, you're right, that we do not want to feel like our sole goal is to extract as much value as we can from communities, employees, the environment, and so on, just to put money in shareholders' pockets. We actually don't think that we have a license to do that. And we think it's a mistake. I thought that was amazing. I think the interesting thing about the announcement as I started talking to colleagues about it and, you know, reading things in the news was that no one was happy about it though, right? So you had a a set of people who believe the purpose of businesses to maximize shareholder value or kind of saying who, you know, what these guys don't have the license to decide that their job is something else. Their job is very clear. They have a single outcome. They're like the pilots we hired. They just need to land the plane and not like argue about traffic patterns. <laughs> you know, that's not their job. Then there's a, another set of people who have been doing this for a long time who kind of said that's nice that they're talking, but how real is this? And so what I think is interesting is that it's not, you know, what one of the things I've learned from impact investing is that it's about two practices and marrying them. It's about what's the impact that you intend to have, the intentionality, and then what's the accountability? What can you show that you've actually done that has met those intentions? And I feel like the business roundtable statement is a great statement of intentionality. And now we have a platform both to help them see what can be done inside the corporate form when you're trying to address the needs of other stakeholders and also an accountability to hold them to account when they do things that are not in the interests of stakeholders. Now there's a very public way to point that out and to figure out how to work through that. That's right, that accountability is huge. And and we can now say, you know, you've stood up for that and use that element. Do you think that there are, it's all about now turning talk into action? Have you seen any examples from this group of, of moving from talk to action? I have not studied it all that much yet. What I have heard through the marketplace is a lot of people wanting to make sure it doesn't kind of turn into a PR campaign where you might be doing a very small philanthropic thing on the side, but not paying your workers a living wage, right? And, you know, not allowing kind of those two things to to coexist. I've also heard that there have been some very strong actions by some members of the business roundtable to restrict shareholder activism and to keep shareholders from voting on certain things that have to do with the company, which seems completely contrary to the idea of, of the statement they put out. And so I think this is hard and they may not be completely aware of the kinds of practices that have been in place in smaller companies that they can learn from. So I'm trying to be optimistic. I was like, they just crowdsourced help by making this announcement. And now, you know, now there's a whole bunch of people trying to reach out and and help. Yeah, very good. Very good. And 
you know, we here at SOCAP and there's a lot of people here that can help and are very eager to help. And that's what we've been talking about. You know, you've been here in the past, if you've been here a few times, how do you sum up the vibe? And, and for people that haven't been, you know, how would you help them understand what it's about and, and maybe um, give them some energy to come next year? So CAP is kind of a cool place. I've been coming here for over a decade and it's changed quite a bit, but the vibe is still the same. The vibe, it's one of the few conferences that has to do with finance that's very much focused on kind of a bottoms up mentality. What are the things that people are doing in their communities, on the ground, inside their funds, inside the government, wherever it is, that are innovative and that are finding different ways to you know, match money and meaning? What are the ways that entrepreneurs and investors are seeing the world? and you know kind of exploring it together when we first came to socap i guess when i first came to socap there were no investors here it was all entrepreneurs one year it was even all farmers like they had this <laughs> weird thing where they went out and said let's talk about agriculture and all these farmers in there which was great uh, but not at all who i expected to be talking to and what's interesting is so we started me and a, a few other colleagues started bringing investors here and it was a little bit of a culture clash at first because it was like a whole bunch of people in suits going, you know, kind of where's the the thing I expect to see? And it was, you know, it's very open. We're at Fort Mason where most of us are doing our meetings outside. And the, the whole way the conference run is in a kind of unconference fashion where people submit ideas. And then by crowd voting, people decide what should be done. And so I think it's been an incredible kind of democratizing force for the field as a whole. I feel like it's also been an incredible R&D arm between the worlds of straight investment and straight philanthropy. SOCAP is the gray, the gray messy middle of where people are trying to figure out how to get attention to what they're doing, how to scale what they're doing, how to build constituencies for different things. And so, you know, it's a place where people launch a lot of new things, where people can get feedback really quickly. And I, you know, kind of personally like coming here because I have so many friends in this field and I get to see them all in one week. Yeah. Oh, look, and, and I can see that, you know, it's breaking down barriers. It's unlike any finance conference you're ever going to go to. And, you know, people challenge each other's ideas. And, and I think that's what it's all about. And yeah, it's the gray. I think that's a great way to put it. That's where the magic happens. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thank you so much for your time. Thank and, you. Uh, catch pleasure. up soon. Cheers.